This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show. This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. I'm your host, Jamie Wood, and our topic today is all about doing the brilliant basics well. So why this topic? As media salespeople, the products we are selling and the markets we are selling into are becoming increasingly diverse and complex. Now, a common theme has emerged as a consequence of this. There is a tendency to overcomplicate the sales process too. Despite an ever-changing marketplace, fundamentally the profession of media sales is underpinned by a few important core skills and attributes. The salespeople who make a commitment to apply the brilliant basics consistently are the ones who will gain a competitive edge. Now our expert today has a really unique perspective on the brilliant basics of media sales as he's had the chance to observe them firsthand across the world. Very pleased to welcome Rick Camilleri, Managing Director of International for NRS Media and Honey Badger. Nice to be here, Jamie. Mate, first of all, it was very, very uh, difficult to pin you down to have this conversation. I believe you do quite the uh, quite the extensive global travel. Is that correct? I do. I do. The world's a big place. <laughs> well, look, let's kick off with getting a better understanding of both NRS Media and Honey Badger. Who are you? What do you guys do? The first five. Okay, so uh, NRS Media is about 25 years old. It's a global company, and we're basically in the place of training media salespeople globally. In other words, how to sell more advertising and get better at their job, whether they sell radio, TV or newspaper. Um, and the other part of the business, of course, is uh, helping them with, uh, with a plan or a program that we operate as a project where we get them to generate more new clients, which turns into brand new long-term revenue for them and, of course, the media company they work for. Fantastic. And Honey Badger is, I suppose, more in the digital space. Is that correct? Yeah. So Honey Badger was uh, introduced about two and a half years ago, brought in. It's like a subsidiary that operates under NRS Media. And uh, the whole objective of that company is to provide digital and social media Uh, products, solutions to either all our current media partners or new media partners around the world, as well as digital agencies, as well as just, you know, Joe on the streets if they need product. Fantastic. Well, look, I think there's a great synergy there, Rick, because most of our audience on this podcast, and we've been lucky to attract uh, a nice little global audience. You know, the majority are based in Australia or North America, but we're seeing pockets of of the you know the United Arab Emirates, South Africa, um, South America. So it's nice to see that we're getting an audience, and and the majority of the audience are people in those first five years of media sales, people that are really kind of navigating what what a career in media sales actually is and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And to kick off today's topic, I'd love to know from you in your experience in a global context, what are the brilliant basics of media sales? And if so, how might they differ around the world? Well, probably let me begin by saying it is no different around the world than it is right here in Australia or even North America. Worldwide, everyone's got the same challenges and the same problems. We all sort of maybe look a bit different and talk a bit funny, but ultimately it's the same problem. Um, I think from a basics of media, um, I think you've got to determine exactly the client you're dealing with and what they require. And to do that, you need to be a good listener. And unfortunately, people in their first five years of media, they're not very good at listening. They're all excited about their new job 
and what they got to say and what the company's offering. And so they tend to go in there and they just can't wait to tell them what they're doing uh, or what they've got for sale instead of just hearing the client out and um, then going away and deciding what you're going to go back with. Wow. I mean, that's a really good segue into our main topic about the brilliant basics. Media sales mastery. Because we know, Rick, that the brilliant basics of media sales drive results. And I think it's it's definitely an industry-wide problem that we often see a lot of media salespeople, when they start to, to lose their way, when they start to see themselves maybe having some difficulty with revenue or with client relationships or retention, oftentimes it's pretty easy to diagnose that one of those foundational skills are not being applied consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think it's so common for media salespeople to stop focusing on the brilliant basics? What are, what are some of the traps or distractions that we all fall prey to? They get, dis- I think, distracted in the beginning with so many things that are going on in the company they're working in. So for example, they're trying, they've got a new job, they're trying to understand the actual products and services, but at the same time, they're, they're talking to clients, they're trying to understand what the clients are doing, and they forget about time management. And time management is really integral in, in, in relation to being successful long-term. So you've got to be able to plan and think about what you're doing up front. In other words, how much time am I going to put into dealing with some existing clients, if that's in my portfolio and what I've got to do, or and or new business. New business is a major um, importance today in any business, any sales career that you, you work in. So you've got to split your time between the two. A lot of companies try and split it themselves these days. They'll put new business development management people on and then split it with mm. retention type uh, people to look after existing customers. But in my mind, that doesn't seem to work because the rep, of course, or the salesperson ultimately should be responsible for everything. So again, you're back to time management and you've got to manage that correctly. You know, let's talk about time allocation because you did raise a good point around a lot of media sales successes around where you actually choose to put your time and energy. What are some of the, I guess, the core tasks and duties that should form part of an ideal week for a media salesperson? How, in your opinion, should they be splitting their time across those five days? Okay, well, I'm I'm quite opinionated in this area because after doing it for so many years, we think we've sort of developed the ultimate way. But for me, if you're an on-the-road salesperson, you're going to need at least then three to four days a week on the road in the field, which means you're left with one to two days internally to do all the paperwork and all the necessary meetings and one-on-ones and sales manager meetings and all that sort of stuff. So again, uh, I think dividing your time into what's in the field to what's internal uh, at the studio or at, at the newspaper office or wherever you work, I think is the first thing you need to to work out and plan. Are you finding that it's harder for media salespeople to actually protect their time? Are you know, are the, uh, broadly, are media organisations now starting to put more administrative responsibility or or more reporting demands on salespeople? Is that a is that something you've sort of identified as becoming an issue? Yes, it is. Um, Look, I think for sales, the more people you see face-to-face, the more successful and the more money you'll generate for both yourself and the company. So as a professional salesperson, I believe the more time you spend out of the office 
and in front of a client, the better you'll be long term. The challenge, as you say, is, you know, the company that you work for wants you to do this, that and the other. I think with the advent of technology today, everything's changed. You can do everything online. You can do everything on the go. You can do things on laptops, mobile phones, tablets. So you should be able to do that sort of stuff if you can in the field so you don't have to drive all the way into the office and do what you need to do physically. In your best estimation or in your in your experience how do you think the best reps actually strike the right balance here of new business development versus retention and growth okay that's a great question jamie but uh, i mean my answer is always going to be the same if you're in a in a role where you're responsible for both new business and looking after existing business or business you've already generated again you've got to split your time uh, evenly unfortunately the human being seems to always opt for where they feel the most comfortable. In other words, the lowest hanging fruit. And when you walk into a bar and you want to meet somebody, it's always much easier to go and talk to somebody that you already know and strike up a conversation with them versus walking up to somebody that you've never met in your life and introducing yourself. So one is existing business and the other one's new business. So I say to all the salespeople out there who may be in their first five years of media sales, Keep focusing on the new business. When you bring in the new business and it turns into existing business, you get to know that person. You get to feel comfortable with that person. That's great. That should never change. But don't let that get in the way of generating more new business in the future. I completely agree. I mean, the one really sage piece of advice I got early in my media sales career in direct was, what's your plan B if your biggest three clients cancel tomorrow? And I think if you have a healthy level of for want of a better term, a healthy level of paranoia, Mm. it can actually fare well for you as a motivator to make sure that you're constantly building future pipeline, you're constantly engaging new advertisers and absolutely striking that balance between giving the appropriate level of service and attention to your existing advertisers, but not over-allocating time to that. Let's talk about the more, uh, for want of a better term, the hygiene of uh, the Brilliant Basics. You know, we're talking forecasting, reporting, filling in your whip templates, managing your pipeline, I wouldn't say it's universally viewed as a chore, but it's definitely something that I think salespeople probably see as, oh, look, I've got to get around to do my forecast. I better just bang that out quickly. In your view, is there a bit of a reframe that needs to happen here? Like, how does a focus on good, accurate forecasting, good pipeline management actually help you to drive a better sales outcome? Look, at the end of the day, being a salesperson, um, history shows that salespeople notoriously hate paperwork. And I'd say that's a pretty wide statement, but at the end of the day, the fact is that they would prefer to be in the field selling face-to-face than sitting at their desk doing paperwork. So I get that. Where things have changed today is, again, technology. So everything is not... There's no paperwork hardly anymore. Now everything's done electronically, as you know. And the the good thing, the brilliant thing about that, of course, is it's faster, it's quicker, it's more... um, It's smooth. So with that... Uh, in play now, it should be quicker for you as a salesperson. So you shouldn't hate that as much. And then my second point to that is that a good salesperson needs to understand their own forecasts. Don't do it because your boss is asking for it. You should be doing it for yourself. If you're a professional salesperson and you're ambitious and you want to get ahead and you want to be the best person out there doing what you do, then it's really important that you start to forecast, you start to put some numbers down, you, you start to work out where you think you're going to be 
because it's what you want to do, not because the sales manager is asking you for it. I know that um, both NRS and Honey Badger, you typically get or you, you often get engaged to help media businesses generate new revenues. Let's talk about what happens once you've gone and generated these new revenues. What does the retention and growth and service plan sort of look like once you've onboarded a new advertiser? To my to my mind, it can feel very unstructured from media company to media company. We all have a different approach to how we do it. In the global space, what have you observed around the world that's maybe best practice when it comes to client service and retention? Well, again, globally, um, and it, it's, it all, it's multimedia, so not just you know radio, television, newspaper, even outdoor. There doesn't seem to be any standard in the industry, as you know, um, from a client retention or client service perspective. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to common sense. You've got to keep a strong relationship with the client, uh, number one. And remember, you're always selling yourself first. So the relationship must be between the, the, the owner of the business or the person you're dealing with and you. That's the first and utmost uh, of the importance. And then the second point is then the result. In other words, whatever the client's buying from you, is it working? And what are you doing about either making it work better or if it's not working, what are you doing about just making it work, period, so you get to keep the client? So I think that's the, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is um, because we're selling so many multi-products these days, everything's been intertwined. In the old days of traditional media, um, people only ever bought the one product. So a radio rep would sell radio or a newspaper rep would mm. sell newspaper. Today, it's multi-platform. So you've got radio stations that can sell radio. Um, you can sell Google. You can sell Facebook, Instagram, website, host website, website design, um, SEO. There's so much in there. And all of that works in combination with each other. And because of that, and because of the technology today, success rates can be higher. And then because success rates are higher, so the retention rates. So retention rates with clients and agencies now are the highest than they've ever been in history. So it's really, really important that you understand the importance of all that working together. But I suppose that is a, an interesting upside you're saying, which is with more digital metrics, with more accountability, with more sophistication, we are seeing that client retention is, is actually improving off the back of that. Is that sort of the sentiment you're saying there? Y yes, it is. Um, and I'm just using, you know, products like Google Analytics, for example, has been a great entree into monitoring lots of media because it's been a tool that's been invented that we didn't have before, um, that you, you couldn't really tell whether something was working properly or not other than asking the client. Um, yeah. So things like that, are now proving the point of how strong certain medias are, whether it be traditional or whether it be digital or social. Um, and then off the back of that, uh, retention rates uh, with clients are huge. I mean, I know media groups right now around the world who are running retention rates in excess of 95% year on year. Wow. And, and, and that is done purely by only two areas. One, the relationship with their account manager. And two, the results they're getting directly from the media company they're working with. Man, I, I'm surprised to hear that. I mean, I think the industry standard in Australia, based on what I've seen, if you're if you're retaining 60 to 65% of year-on-year -year business, you're actually in the upper percentiles. Yep. So to think that around the world, you've got people that are up there around 95%. Yep. Um, 
I mean, that's that's pretty exciting. Sounds like there's a bit of upside there. There is. There is. Look, and you can't really improve much on that, right? Now, I'm not saying that's a standard across every industry and in every country, but, you know, we, we uniquely work with so many different uh, media groups globally that, you know, there are certain ones that stand out more than others. And, and again, it's not because they're doing much, much more than, than what the other media groups are doing. It's, they're doing it because or they're achieving those results purely because of the detail. They've just fine-tuned the relationship between them and the rep and the results just that little bit more uh, than, you, you know, everybody else. I think that's a really good point to, to really stick on, Rick, because I would, I would be really curious. And I love one thing about this podcast I love is I get to speak to a lot of people who've worked internationally the one thing that consistently comes through is that the best media sales people are often not doing anything terribly different. They're mm. just doing the fundamentals exceptionally well, mm. really consistently. Um, and, you know, I think it is a culmination of those one percenters over 12 months. If you're consistently applying them with with thought and with rigor and with discipline over 12 months, you start to see the cumulative effect of being able to do that. And I'm curious to know when, you, when you've gone into different markets around the world and run new advertiser acquisition programs, you know, when you're working with these sales teams and getting them up to, up to speed to go to market and, and launch these new business drivers, can you almost tell before you even launch the tactic which salespeople are going to be successful and which ones aren't? And if so, what are some of the things you're, you're observing that make you make that determination? Uh, well, it's a very, very good question, and you are 100% correct, Jamie. So uh, my staff take bets with each other on their project oh. doing better than the other project in the other country, and it's purely based on the people they've met. So one thing we've got good at, as you, you want to hope that most sales directors around the world get good at, is picking the right staff, picking the right people. You, you, when you you know look at putting people on through recruitment, I suppose like every sales manager, even including yourself, Jamie, you're looking at two things. One, does this person fit? Does he fit? Does she fit our culture? Um, Do they have the values, the morals, the scruples that we're looking for? Would they fit in? If that's a tick, then great, we'll move to the next part. Now, the next question is, can this person sell media? Is this person going to be the, the best person we can put on to represent our brand out to the client? And once you feel comfortable with that, then the last point is really proven in the job, and that is just energy, passion, and the way you deliver and make, you, you make yourself successful in the job. And, of course, sometimes you can get the first two right and you get the third one wrong because, you know, passion and energy and focus and all that is up to the individual. So a sales manager can direct, a sales manager can help, the sales manager can assist, but they're not going to be there for every call on every meeting um, to, to, to push you through. So you've got to be able to do that by yourself. You've got to be self-motivated. So we know we've, we've, we've become really good judges at uh, picking the right people up front and then knowing the ones who will be successful and the ones that won't. I think I'm heartened to hear that because it does sound still like there's a few inherent traits, but I guess to draw this main topic to a close... Um, and I'll put you on the spot here, Rick. Like, what, in your opinion, is the single most important activity before everything else that a media salesperson should put a consistent focus on each week? In other words, before you do anything, what is the foundational thing you should focus on and get right before you start to build out your skills as a media salesperson? I would answer that by saying don't go home on a Friday afternoon until you've planned your following week fully. 
you know exactly how many people you're going to go and see on the road face to face in the field and what your time what time you're going to spend in the office doing whatever you're going to be doing in the office that 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 in in itself just from a time management's perspective will give you the plan and then work out what you're going to do or what's needed for each and every one of the individual prospects that you're going to go and see I can't ask my sales manager that. So we're going to jump into this topic now, Rick. This is called I Can't Ask My Sales Manager That. Um, when we initially put the podcast out, we put a big survey out to a bunch of people early in their media sales journey. We said, what's the question you will, you know, you want to ask, but you're afraid to, or for whatever reason, you can't ask your boss. Uh, so we've got one here. Now, they've, we've held their name. I'm glad they have because it's a bit of a contentious um, question. But what I thought is I'll read the question to you and then you and I can actually have a bit of a, a real-time problem-solving uh, workshop on the fly here. Okay. So this person is a digital media salesperson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here is their question. My workplace has very strict phone blocks in place to make new sales appointments each week. I won't go into how I think this is micromanagement. The main problem is that I already have a large client list and most of my time is spent managing these accounts. I understand why they need to keep these blocks for newbies or underperformers, but I consistently hit my budget and don't need to focus on new business. How do I get my manager to relax on this question mark? So look, this isn't to call anybody out, but I just thought that's that's the way they pose the question. What's your immediate response to that reflecting on that question? Well, the first thing the salesperson, the digital salesperson asking you this or asking us this question is they have to appreciate and understand that their boss is ultimately the decision maker. And if they've told this person that they've got to generate new business as well as look after existing business, then until that changes, they have to do that and, and they'll be measured against that. So my next part of that answer would be then divide your week accordingly to ensure that you definitely generate or make some new business calls every single week. And I would actually roadblock it in the diary. So for example, it might be that on a Wednesday from 8am through to 12 o'clock, that's going to be my new business hour event. Uh, And I'm going to work on those three, four hours just in new business. And then the rest of the week, I'll concentrate on the existing business. The thing where I agree with the sales manager enforcing new business versus existing is this. Anyone will tell you, if you're given a list, Jamie, of, of existing clients that you've got to look after, naturally, organically, in due time, that list will decline. Lists never grow naturally. They always decline, not incline. And the reason that happens is because of constant change in business. So, for example, a company goes broke, a company gets bought out, a company merges with another group. There's so many different um, factors that can affect a business. So if you get given 20 existing clients and you don't ring new business, that will naturally fall to 15 or more in the coming 12 months. It just does. I completely agree. I mean, I keep coming back to uh, this this whole thing of what's your plan B. I mean, I've got a I've got a great list at the moment. It is not uncommon, and I'm surprised that this probably hasn't been this person's experience already. It is not uncommon for all of those things to happen. People go out of business. People change their strategy. Times get difficult, and people pull their budgets back. Um, to sit there and suggest that your plate is completely full with your existing clients that's true right now, but that is not any assurance that that's going to happen into the future. So I would agree. I suppose the the other question here would be, if this person says that the majority of their time is spent servicing their client list, 
I mean, is there is there something that needs to occur there, do you think, Rick, around maybe streamlining or delegating or drawing upon other resources to help them with that, that client service element? Completely. I would um, see what internal assistance you can get to, to speed up or, or fast track, as you say, um, anything internally with the existing clients. You've got to look at, you know, bang for buck here. The salesperson is the frontline person. So you want them involved in the, the heaviest stuff, all the big stuff, all the light lifting, not the heavy lifting, the stuff behind the scenes at the back. Sitting around doing that, the salespeople are paid too much money to do that sort of stuff. So go find a planner or a way um, to, to lighten up the load there. I would probably recommend this person go and talk to their sales manager about that. I'd say to them, listen, in order for me to generate more new business and talk to new business, I just need a hand at the back end of my existing business. Um, Can I talk to you about putting a plan together for that? That conversation, the sales director would be more than happy to have. I wholeheartedly agree. And I have to say, like my experience as a sales director, one of the things that I find probably most difficult to, uh, to manage is getting people to relinquish and delegate work that is beneath what their current job spec requires them to do. I think as salespeople, we have a ones that are you know ones that are very client oriented, which are often the best salespeople. They really care about their client. They want to feel embedded in the business. the The issue that can often ensue there is that they hold that business very close to their chest. They feel like they need to have their fingerprints on every single piece of client communication and every interaction and every element of their campaigns. And I think as a sales director, one of the big things I often have to really have quite frank conversations with my people about is you've got to draw upon the resources around you and make sure that they're able to help facilitate that because ultimately that's going to get a better outcome for the client and it's going to allow you to run your business in a way that is a lot more future-proofed than being fundamentally a service person who's just waiting for one of these clients to inevitably fall over or to move move on to another medium or to, you know, to naturally have that attrition that happens. So... Yeah, I think with this with this listener, I really appreciate um, you know them reaching out, and I I think this is probably just a case of having to give them a level of um, a fairly candid feedback because this is all part of learning and all part of navigating the challenges of media sales um, is coming across these issues. Rick, pretty short, sharp one today, but I suppose this is now a forum for you and I just to have a bit of a chat around anything else as a parting thought. Um, is there anything that you want to sort of leave the audience with around, you know, the brilliant basics of media sales that they can take with them and apply this week? Yeah, look, always. Um, I think, number one, appreciate the industry that you're in and the job you've got. I think media sales is one of the best jobs in the world. It gives you variety, it gives you flexibility, and you can even control the amount of income that you want to generate for yourself if you're ambitious either A, with the company or with your own revenues in what you want to achieve in your personal life. So that should bring a natural energy and passion that should just completely ooze out of your body every single week when you're doing the job. And when you carry that forward and take it to a meeting with a client and they see that, that actually helps them to move with you. That helps, that motivates them to do more with you and buy from you because success breeds success. So if you can adopt that and then drive that with your clients, then they'll continue to work with you, not only for a first sale being new business, but long, long, long term. Remember, repeat business is what it's all about, long term business, but never, ever take your eye off the ball when it comes to generating new business. 
Really nice summary there, mate. It's, it sounds like you've got the uh, the roadmap for successful media sales down on a global scale. Um, before we wrap this up, I'm curious to just hear what's going on in the world of NRS Media and Honey Badger. What do you think the next 12 to 18 to 36 months are going to look like for the businesses and what are some of the initiatives you guys are working on at the moment? So I think where the world's changing with media in general is traditional media companies don't just offer their one traditional media. So radio stations, TV, outdoor, print, um, they're going to continue. Those businesses, some of those businesses have even gone into decline in the last few years. But where it's changing is they've, you know, focused on other sources of income and purely that lends itself to a lot of it in, in many, many cases uh, worldwide now is digital and social media because it works hand in hand with each other. And when you combine digital and social media with traditional media, the end result for the advertiser is a much, much bigger, stronger result. So to the clients, they know that, and a lot of them have learned that. And some of the um, long-serving media uh, traditional reps have learned this as well. So just I think where the world's going now is we don't just sell one platform. We don't just sell one product or service. We sell multi-platforms, multi-products, multi-services. And the combination of all those working with each other brings an even better, faster and stronger result for the client. And I think that's going to continue. It sounds to me like you've got it down there. Coming from working in a, uh, I guess, a traditional publisher for the majority of my career, but then moving into, you know, building out more digital capability, it's a really exciting time to be in media sales. I think never, never before have we had more reasons to go to talk to our advertisers, to give them a new story, to help deliver more creative solutions. Um, And, you know, it, it poses challenges internally in terms of, having to have your product IQ up, having to really get your systems down, focusing on where to spend your time. But I think with that comes you know, a level of excitement and, uh, and challenge that's never ending, which makes it a really rewarding career. Rick, if anyone in the listening audience um, wants to reach out to you just to ask you some follow-on questions to know more about NRS, uh, where can you be reached, mate? Probably the best way, uh, because I travel so much, would be directly through my uh, email address, which is uh, Rick. R-I-C dot Camilleri, C-A-M-I-L-L-E-R-I at nrsmedia.com. Rick, where are you off to next? It looks like at the moment uh, there seems to be lots going on in the ever-changing continent of Africa. So uh, uh, I'm uh, en route shortly. Fantastic. Well, look, we wish you a safe journey. I thank you very much for being so generous with your time for our audience today. And, mate, I would love nothing more than to get you back uh, to get into another topic sooner rather than later. No problem, Jamie. Always available for you. You've been listening to Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic, guide the show, and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week.